with Christ. We do want to see our prayers answered more and more. We want to pray more powerfully, don't we? And so our home base this month is the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to ask that you turn there in your Bibles. Uh, if you're new with us, almost every single week we have in our bulletin some message notes. gives you an opportunity to uh, be able to allow the, the deepest points from the sermon to sink in. also gives you some place to fill in some blanks and jot down some notes along the way. So we encourage you with your Bibles to have the message notes along with a pen or pencil handy. And uh, we're going to dive into God's Word together. Last week as we began this message series... Uh, we talked uh, from the Lord's Prayer about this wonderful prayer model that God has given us that will empower us to pray more effectively and more consistently. And to help us uh, learn this four-point prayer model, uh, we here at FCC uh, use the acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y. Each of those letters in PRAY helps remind us of one of those pillars of a strong prayer. And so last week we saw that Jesus early in the passage uh, is teaching us how not to pray, and then he teaches us how to to pray uh, with the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 again, just so it's fresh on our minds and hearts. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Say amen if you're there. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by men. I I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. May God bless us as we study His Word today. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to You thanking You for Your good and truth-filled Word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, through Your Word today. Open our minds and hearts to what You want to teach us about the power of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we saw in this prayer model last week uh, that Jesus offers us four pillars of a strong prayer. The P in pray stands for praise and thanks. It's always a good idea. It's a rule of thumb to have a, a good hefty amount of praise and thanks in your prayers. As we saw last week, we all have Uh, These times when uh, we slam on our brakes and it looks like we're going to hit that car in front of us and all we have time to do is cry to God, Help! He understands those kind of prayers, doesn't He? But most of the time, when we're going to the Lord in prayer, we have the opportunity to go to Him and spend some time in praise and thanks. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the message today. The R in praise stands for repent. 
It's very important, as we saw last week, to go to the Lord and confess our sins, to be honest with Him, not just to lift up some vague statement, oh God, forgive me for anything I did wrong, and then move on to my gimme, gimme, gimme list. Well, we've got to spend some time aching over our sin, grieving over our sin, saying, God, I'm sorry for those lustful thoughts I had. God, I'm sorry I I lied to my wife yesterday. God, I'm sorry Uh, this last week I should have confessed this. It was Tuesday morning. I was taking two of my kids to the orthodontist appointment. And so there I am going down my street, and there's a bus on the opposite side with a line of kids out in front of the door, and the little stop sign comes out from the side of the bus. So I stopped. I waited for all the kids to file in there. And once that last kid, who, how come the slowest kid on the bus is the last one to get on? Felt like I was sitting there for 10 minutes. But finally, that last kid uh, finishes tying his shoe or whatever he was doing, gets onto the bus, and it's going through my head. I'm running late for this appointment. I'm on the other side of a double yellow. Maybe I'm on the other side of the double yellow. The rule doesn't apply. So once the kids were on the bus, I started slowly taking off. I hadn't made it to the end of the bus, and all of a sudden the lights are flashing in my rearview mirror. Where'd that guy come from? Was that you, Gary? Pulls me over, he's a, uh, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't know the rule on the double yellow. Well, you can't run a double yellow, and he spits it out to me. And uh, so anyway, the license, insurance, and I said, can you let me off the hook? I've got this orthodontist appointment, and maybe just give me a warning this time. And he, of course, ignores me, goes back to his car, runs my plate and everything, comes back, and says, I'm going to let you slide this time with a warning, but don't go until that stop sign's fully up against the bus. Yes, officer, yes, officer. And my kids are like, he's not my dad. So anyway, they had a fun story to tell the relatives this weekend, and uh, that's a good one probably for me to confess to the Lord. Lord, I didn't know for sure on the double yellow, but I was pretty sure, and I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. Anyways, we need to spend some time repenting to the Lord. The A in pray stands for ask. Uh, we're very familiar with this part of the prayer, but I mentioned last week that, that I would recommend, as we're building our prayer lives here early in the year, that we have at least three sections to our ask prayers. Number one, we should be asking for our church. If you're not in the habit of praying for me, please start. I need lots of prayer. If you're not in the habit of praying for our elders or praying for our staff or Miss Christie that uh, leads our children's ministry or praying for Brennan as he leads our music ministry, praying for Javier as he leads our youth ministries, be praying for the staff, be praying for the leaders, be praying for the servants here at the church, be praying for the teachers, be praying for the greeters. We need prayer. Amen. And don't just pray for the church. Secondly, I encourage you to pray for our community. And the community doesn't just mean the Victor Valley. It can mean our entire nation. Please pray for President Trump. He needs our prayers. Pray for his cabinet. Pray for our House of Representative leaders. Pray for our senators. Pray for our state leaders. Jerry Brown, the man needs lots of prayer. We need to be praying for our city, praying for our state, praying for our nation. And then finally, make sure you do pray for yourself and for your family. And then the why in pray, as we saw last week, stands for yield. When we present all these requests to God and we give Him all of these praises and thanks and we, we bear our soul to Him as we confess our sins to Him and ask for His forgiveness, we want to end with the spirit of yielding to Him. God, You taught me to pray, not my will, but Yours be done. Lord, may it be as You desire here on earth as you carry out your will in heaven. We yield to God whatever He chooses to do. You know, sometimes we pray and we ask God for something and He answers with a wonderful yes. Don't you love the yes answers? Sometimes God says, thanks for the prayer, but no. 
Sometimes we pray and God says, you're on the right track, but your timing is off. Wait. Not yet. So it's important that we yield to God. God, if you give me an immediate yes, if you give me an immediate no, or if you say, wait, your timing's not quite right, whatever you decide, God, I trust you because you are sovereign, you are in charge, your ways are higher than my ways, and your thoughts certainly are a lot higher than my thoughts because I am pretty dense at times, and I'm not too bright at times. God, I trust you, not my will, but yours be done. You can see the power in our prayers when we incorporate those four components, those four pillars of our prayer lives. Today we're going to focus in on the P in pray, the first pillar of our strong prayers, and that is praise and thanks. This morning we're talking about the power of praise. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 8 through 18. Uh, I don't recall if I put the, the page number on there, if you're using one of those blue Bibles from the rack in front of you. I think I wrote it down somewhere. Looks like it's page 1171 if you're using one of those blue Bibles. The rest of you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. We're going to have three quick verses here uh, that are going to be our focus today. As we springboard off the Lord's Prayer, this is going to be where we land. We'll look at several passages today uh, quickly, but this is the one we're going to keep coming back to because it is so good. These are three of the shortest verses in the New Testament but boy, are they powerful. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Say amen if you're there. Be joyful always. That was a whole verse. You think that was short? Try the next one. Pray continually. That was another verse. And then the third verse, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You can almost memorize those three verses after one reading, can't you? Why don't you read those out loud with me, please, starting in verse 16 there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. You ready? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If the person next to you didn't read those uh, with us, uh, go ahead and stare them down right now. No, just kidding. But let's read that again. All of us together out loud. These are powerful. I want these to sink in. I want you to hear yourself reading these powerful verses. Here we go. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now look at those one verse at a time. Look at those verses. Be joyful always. Is God actually saying that we are supposed to have joy no matter how crummy our circumstances are. That's a curious thing to say, isn't it? Okay, let's move on to the next verse. Pray continually. Now, God is not saying here that we are supposed to literally be uttering prayers out of our mouths 24-7. What He is saying here is we should never sever the line of communication between us and God. There should never be a time where I say, God, I'm a little embarrassed with what I'm about to do. Uh, I'm going to pop the trunk. Can you hop in the trunk for a few minutes? I don't want you to see what I'm about to do here. There should never be a point where we're cutting off communication. We should have a constant, clean line of communication with God. Do you believe God's Word is telling us to do that as followers of Christ? And then we get to the third verse, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances... 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that it is God's will for you to be thankful to Him regardless of what you're going through? Are you serious? You people are weird. You expect me to believe that Jesus Christ is telling us that when I open my door in the morning to take a whiff of the fresh morning air and I happen to glance on my door and there's an eviction notice duct taped to it, that I'm supposed to rejoice and be thankful? I repeat what I said a moment ago. You people are a little weird. You expect me to believe that if my boss calls me into his office and he proceeds to say, you're fired? I'm supposed to give thanks in that circumstance? If my doctor calls me into his office for a special appointment after I had my test taken, and he says, it's cancer, I'm supposed to be thankful? That's just weird. You expect me to believe that when my girlfriend breaks up with me? You expect me to believe, Pastor, when my husband walks out on me? You expect me to believe, Pastor, that when my wife that I loved with all of my heart and soul passed away after 50 years of marriage and now I'm left alone, that I'm somehow supposed to give thanks? You expect me to believe that when my grown son walked out on my wife and me, left the house, he strung out on drugs, God knows who's, who, where he is, you expect me to give thanks? That's crazy talk! And I answer you and say that's exactly what God expects. I could tell you, no, 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 your circumstance is too hard. God doesn't expect you to be thankful in that circumstance. I could tell you that, but I'd be a liar. Notice what it says in verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say in most circumstances. It doesn't say in 99% of circumstances, oh, what you're going through, well, that's one of the rare exceptions to the rule. You don't have to give... No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't even say in 99.999% of circumstances. It says in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And this is a mind-boggling command from God's Word. It does, in our culture, it does with our human wisdom seem like crazy talk. But that's exactly what God's Word says. And never forget this, when God's Word says all, God's Word means all. In all circumstances, that includes yours. That includes mine. It includes whatever you and I are going through. We are to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to point out to you three reasons why praise is so powerful. Did you know that God created you to praise Him? That's pretty exciting, I think. It's true. Praise is one of the main purposes for which you were created. It is your destiny. If I did a better Darth Vader impersonation... I would throw on the Darth Vader voice right about now and say, it is your destiny. It truly is. That's a terrible Darth Vader, isn't it? It's absolutely horrible. 
It's your destiny. Take a look at these verses with me. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 20 and 21. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, and catch this, that they may proclaim my praise. God says in these great verses, the animals have their purposes and in their own little puny way, they say thank you to me when I give them clean water to drink and food to eat. When the lion's tearing into that jackal carcass or tearing into that antelope and in its own little weird way, the lion is saying, thank you, this is very tasty. But God has created us that we may proclaim His praise. Maybe you've never thought of that before, but one of the purposes for which you were created is to glorify and honor and praise your Creator God. According to these verses, did God create us for ourselves? Or did God create us for Himself? Very clear from that passage, He created us for Himself to give Him praise. What about Psalm 8, verse 2? I love this verse. From the lips of children and infants... You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. I love this verse. God is making it clear here through the psalmist in Psalm 8-2 that even little kids were created to praise God. And you know when I think of little kids praising God who I think about? I think about these guys on the screen. Those Watoto kids... From 7 to, I think, about 13 years old, man, can they praise God. And I want to share with you something I've been dying to share with you over the last week and a half. When they were about to leave our church parking lot the morning after their concert, they were all loaded up in their bus right there at the the red curb in front of our entryway. And they were on the bus, and one of their leaders said, you know, Pastor Dane, could you come join us? The kids want to share something with you. And so Holly and I went on to the bus And they asked me to say a prayer for their group. And so I said a prayer. And this is what happened afterwards. I tell you, when I heard those kids sing live and and the several times I've listened to this and watched this video since, I tell you, something just lights up inside of me when I hear those little kids from halfway around the world singing a prayer of blessing upon me and our church. It it makes me just kind of leap on the inside. And I think that only gave me a small, small taste of how God must dance on the inside when His children praise Him. When you and I praise Him, and when even little ones, four-year-olds and five-year-olds and six and seven and eight-year-olds praise Him, it must cause God to dance on the inside from the lips of children and infants He has ordained 
praise. And then 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So Christians, let me ask you, why did God choose you to be saved? Why did God set you apart as a royal priest? Why did God bring you into His holy nation and into His eternal family? Well, there were several reasons why He did that, but one of the main reasons was because He wanted you to praise Him. He wanted you to praise Him. And so when we are, uh, who are followers of Christ withhold our praises from God, we are forsaking one of the main reasons He saved us. God chose us. He chose you and me to be on His praise team every single day. And there's to be no none of this, you know what, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I could never sing a song. I've got a terrible... None of that in God's kingdom. We give Him our praises, amen? Regardless of what we think our own voices sound like. We give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So bottom line, praise helps us fulfill our created purpose. But that's not the only reason why praise is so powerful. The second reason praise is so powerful is because praise is a weapon. It's a weapon to break spiritual strongholds outside of us. It's actually a weapon. Maybe you've never thought of praise that way, but I think Scripture makes a strong case that it is, in fact, a weapon. Do you remember what happened when Paul and Silas were in prison there in Philippi in Acts chapter 16? Remember the situation They were preaching the Word of God in Philippi. The crowds were gathering. A lot of people were getting excited. People were getting saved. But there was this little slave girl that had a demon inside of her. And she kept on following him and telling everybody as she yelled out, These guys are servants of the Most High God. And Paul got tired of it because he didn't need a demon-possessed girl being the head of his publicity campaign. And so he turns to that demon-possessed girl and he drives out the evil spirit. And as soon as she is healed... Her slave owners, because she was a slave, were ticked off because they used this little girl with that demon-possessed ability to be able to foretell the future. And they made a lot of money off this little slave girl of theirs. So they're ticked off and they drag Paul and Silas to the magistrates. They end up getting arrested. Paul and Silas are beaten. They have that cat of nine tails, that Roman scourging whip that they had used on Jesus. And they're whipping them, tearing chunks off their flesh in their backs. And they throw them into an inner cell of the Philippian jail. And they put their feet in stocks. And as they're sitting there with their feet in stocks, with their backs bloody and bruised, do you remember what Paul and Silas did? Right around midnight, this is what we read in verse 25 of Acts 16. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Boom! Big earthquake. Chains come off. Feet come out of the the shackles. What an amazing thing to happen on the heels of praise. I wonder, what would you have been doing? If I was sitting there in the prison, after going through what they went through, and my feet are in stocks, I'm sitting in one of the most uncomfortable positions imaginable, my back is just pulsating in pain because it's just been whipped almost to the bone, 
It's bloody, it's bruised, it's hurting. Every direction I turn, my shoulders or my neck, my back just screams in pain, and I can't get comfortable because my feet are in these stocks. I might start doing some complaining. How about you? But not Paul and Silas. You know what? This situation's pretty lousy. I've been in some bad situations in my day, Silas. But you know what I've found? We need to start praising God right about now. Are you kidding, man? There's, there's these guys like three feet from us. They're going to hear us. That's okay. These guys may not follow Jesus. That's okay. You saying we need to sing? Yeah, let's start singing. They start singing and praising God. How great thou art. Amazing grace. Whatever it was, they were singing to God and praising Him. And on the heels of praise, what happens? Boom! Earthquake. Shackles come off. All the prison doors fly open. On the heels of praise, not only are they set free physically... But strongholds are broken around them because that prison guard who is about to commit suicide decides he's not going to. And he ends up before the end of the night giving his life to Jesus Christ along with his entire family. Those prisoners who normally would have escaped in a heartbeat when the doors had flown open of the prison cells decide to stay put because they want to hear more about this Jesus Christ that has brought this earthquake on the heels of their praise. This prison was radically transformed by the power of praise. And if you had brought in from 2017 a Navy SEAL team and you'd put them on a time machine and sent them back to Philippi on that very night, a Navy SEAL team could not have done what praise did on that night. There is power in praise, church. There is power in praise. It is a weapon to break spiritual strongholds outside of us. So, when everyone in your family is down in the dumps, there is power in praising God. You can praise Him and transform their doom and gloom perspectives through your praise. When you're surrounded by crummy attitudes, uh, that could never be the case in your household, right? When you're surrounded by crummy attitudes, sometimes your praise is just what the doctor ordered to see your environment and your home change. When you have a close encounter with pessimists who can only see the negative in their circumstances, your praise can help them see the silver lining for the very first time. And every time you're here at church, you never know who's sitting around you who may need to hear those praises come forth from your mouth, telling them how good God is, singing about His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His strength. So, we give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Praise is a powerful weapon to break spiritual strongholds outside of us. But not only that, praise is a spiritual weapon to break spiritual strongholds inside us. Inside us. Say it a little differently. Your praise can not only transform others, it can also transform you. When it comes to the power of praise, my favorite story in all of Scripture is in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I've shared this with some of you before. In Second Chronicles 20, uh, Judah had already split off from the ten tribes of Israel in the north. And there in Judah in the south, King Jehoshaphat was the king at the time, who overall was a pretty good king, tried to follow God, tried to obey God's laws. And Jehoshaphat gains word here at the top of Second Chronicles chapter 20 that three enemy nations decided to join forces and march against Jerusalem. 
And so the Ammonites and the Moabites and some of the Meunites had all joined their armies together and they were marching toward Jerusalem. They were coming across the borders of Judah. And so when King Jehoshaphat learns this, he is scared to death. He knows his army is no match for three armies joining together against him. And so in fear, he decides, you know, what can we do? We can pray. And notice how his prayer begins in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 6. He says, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Now, they wouldn't have been to Jerusalem for a few days. So it wasn't like he just had a half a second to pray, help, prayer. He had a little bit of time. And so he's scared to death, but he still begins his prayer by praising God. I think that's a great lesson for all of us. And then a little bit further in the prayer, here's what he says in verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them, these enemies of ours? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And I love how it says in the chapter, he called all the people of Judah together. Together they were fasting and praying. And it says as they prayed to God, they stood before him. And it says, even their little ones stood before the Lord, awaiting God's reply. Well, God sends a message to Jehoshaphat. And that message boiled down to this. Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid or discouraged by this vast army marching against you, because the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them and God will deliver you. So what does Jehoshaphat do? Having received the word of the Lord the next day, this is what we read in verses 21 through 24 there in Second Chronicles 20. It says, After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. And they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Did you catch that? They went out at the head of the army. So with them marching out to the battlefield to meet these three armies, Jehoshaphat doesn't do what most kings would have done. Hey, archers, you know what? Uh, there's some hay bales over there. Practice your shooting. You guys get, got to get a little more accurate today because we're really going to need you. Hey, cavalry, make sure your horses are well fed because we're going to need you today. Charioters, make sure that those wheels are solid on your chariots because we're going to need you today. None of that. What does he do? He appoints men to sing to God and he puts them in the front lines. The front line of Jehoshaphat's army was a praise team. Isn't that cool? Some of you are thinking, that's nuts. Yeah, it is. That's one of the reasons it's cool. So he puts the praise team in the front lines. He says, give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they had finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. 
As these guys were praising God and singing to Him, the Spirit of the the living God was catapulted from their praises onto the battlefield ahead of them. The Spirit of God went on to the uh, opposing army, caused confusion, and destroyed them all. So by the time Jehoshaphat and his army got to the battlefield, there were only dead bodies. In other words, the battle was won without Jehoshaphat or his men having to lift a single sword. Wow. A hundred team of Navy SEALs. hundred teams could not do what praise did on that very day. You see, there is power in praising God. Power in praising God. It breaks spiritual strongholds outside of us and it breaks strongholds inside of us because Jehoshaphat was dealing with fear in the inside. He was dealing with anxiety on the inside. He was dealing with self-doubt on the inside. And through the power of praise, those battles were won on the inside and on the outside. Whether you're dealing with internal strongholds of fear or anxiety or anger or lust or jealousy or unforgiveness or whatever, praising God for who He is and thanking Him for what He has done can transform you from the inside out. Do you believe that? There is power in praise. There is power in praise. And when it comes to the power of praise, one of my favorite stories of all time is a story that comes from this little book, Prison to Praise. Many of you remember Floyd Hale, a wonderful saint of the Lord that attended this church for many years. He passed away about a year ago. But over the years of his adult life, he handed out hundreds of these little books that tell the true story of Merlin Carruthers who went from being AWOL from the military in the 1960s to giving his life to the Lord and becoming a chaplain during the Vietnam War. And as he was a chaplain, he tells this story in his eighth chapter about Ron and his wife who came to see him. And I want to read this for you. When Ron came to see me about his problem, he was the picture of misery and despair. Chaplain, he said, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. When I was drafted, my wife tried to commit suicide. Now... I've received orders for Vietnam, and she says that if I go, she'll kill herself. What can I do? Ron was an attorney and a member of the Bar Association, but he had been drafted and preferred to join the Army as a private. Now he was obviously distraught and unable to handle the situation with his wife. Ron, have, have your wife come and see me, and I'll see what I can do. Sue was also a picture of misery. Her body was frail. She sat on the edge of a chair, trembling from head to foot. Tears flowed uncontrollably down her face. Chaplain, her voice was barely audible. I'm scared. I can't live without Ron. I looked at her and a wave of compassion brought tears to my eyes. I knew Sue's story. She'd been adopted as a baby, was estranged from her adopted family, and had no one in the world except Ron. The two of them were very much in love, and I knew that if Ron went to Vietnam, Sue would stay alone in a rented room in a strange town. I prayed silently for wisdom to comfort her. And the Lord said to me, tell her to be thankful. I shook my head in disbelief. I must have heard wrong. Her, Lord? Yes. You may begin to share with her. I looked at Sue's tearful face, and my heart sank. Okay, Lord. I'll trust you. Sue, I'm glad you came, I said, smiling with a confidence I didn't feel. You don't have anything to worry about. Everything is going to be all right. 
Sue straightened herself, wiped away her tears, and managed a trembling little smile. I continued, what I want you to do is to kneel here with me and thank God that Ron is going to Vietnam. She looked at me in blank disbelief. I nodded, yes, Sue, I want you to thank God. She immediately began to weep almost hysterically. I calmed her as best as I could and began reading to her from the Bible the verses I had learned to trust in over the past few months. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. All things work together for good to them that love God. Carefully, I tried to show her the wonderful truths I had found to be real. Nothing seemed to help. Sue believed in God and in Christ, but in her despair, her belief was of no comfort. Finally, she left my office crying with no peace of mind and certainly no joy. Lord, have I completely misunderstood you? That girl wasn't helped a bit. Patient son, the Lord said, I'm working. The next day, Ron came to my office. Chaplain, what did you say to my wife? She's worse than she was before. I told Sue the solution to her problem, and now I'll tell you. I want you to kneel down and thank God that you're going to Vietnam and that Sue is so upset that she is threatening to kill herself. Ron didn't see my point either. Carefully, we went over the Scriptures. This is the will of God concerning you. Ron said, now I understand why Sue didn't understand. I don't understand either. And he left. Two days later, they came back. Sir, we are desperate. You must do something to help us. They were both hoping that I, as chaplain, would be able to put in a plea for another assignment for Ron. Again, I explained to them the only solution God was letting me hold on to was this one. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. If you can only believe that God is really working this thing out for the best for both of you, then all you have to do is trust Him and begin to thank Him regardless of what the situation looks like. Ron and Sue looked at each other. What do we have to lose, honey? Ron said. We knelt and and Sue prayed. She prayed, Lord, I thank you that Ron is going to Vietnam. It must be your will. I sure don't understand, but I'll try. Then Ron prayed, Lord, this is very strange for me too, but I trust you. Thank you that I am going to Vietnam and that Sue is so upset. Thank you that she might even try to hurt herself. I had a feeling Ron and Sue were not as convinced as I was, but I thank the Lord that they were trying. They left my office and later I heard what had happened. Ready for this? Ron and Sue had gone into the chapel and knelt together at the altar. There they had turned their lives and each other over to God in a deeper commitment than ever before. And now Sue had the strength to pray, God, I thank you that Ron is going to Vietnam. You know how much I will miss him. You know I don't have a father or mother or brother or sister or family of any kind, but I will trust you, Lord. Ron prayed, God, I do thank you. I give Sue over to you. She is yours and I'll trust you to take care of her. With that, they rose from the altar. Ron went through the chapel and headed for his unit while Sue came back to the waiting room next to my office. She needed to sit quietly and collect her thoughts. And while she sat there, a young soldier came in and asked for the chaplain. Sue told him that I was busy, but if you wait a little while, I'll tell you, I'll tell him that you're here, she offered. I'll wait, said the young soldier. He looked distressed and Sue asked, what's your problem? My wife wants a divorce. She shook her head. It won't do much good to talk to that chaplain. But the soldier wasn't easily discouraged, and while they were waiting, he took out his billfold and began to show Sue pictures of his wife and kids. When he turned to the next picture, Sue screamed, Who is that? That's my mother. That's my mother, said Sue, shaking with emotion. That couldn't be, the soldier replied. I don't have a sister. It is. I know it is. 
What makes you think that? When I was a little girl, I happened to find a piece of paper in my parents' desk that showed I was adopted. In the upper right-hand corner was a picture of my real mom. That's her. It's the same lady. And it was. Further checking revealed that Sue had been promised for adoption before she was born and her natural mother had never seen her. She had no idea where Sue was and had never heard anything about her since the day she was born. Now Sue had a brother, a real brother, and with him came a whole family. Was it a coincidence? There are more than 200 million people in the United States. What would be the odds against that particular soldier walking into the door of my office just as Sue had made a covenant with God to praise him for her loneliness and lack of a family? But that wasn't all. As Ron walked back into his unit, he ran into an old friend from law school who was now a legal officer. Hi, old buddy, where are you going? He said as he met Ron. Ron said, praise God, I'm going to Vietnam. They talked some more and the friend persuaded Ron to ask for a transfer so that he could work with him in the legal office. Ron and Sue did not have to be separated and no longer did Sue have to cling to Ron in fear of losing him. She had come to have a joyous confidence in Jesus Christ and went about everywhere praising Him. Maybe you hear that story and say, you know what, I'd kind of like that to be the case in my life. Can God do that in my life? Yes, He can. Because there is power in praise. No matter what you're going through, if you will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and put your trust in Him, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what your ears hear, no matter what your mind comprehends, God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to praise you anyway. And Merlin Carruthers brings some beautiful light to this Scripture we've had before us this morning. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Merlin Carruthers would say, you know what the Lord has revealed to me? Not only that we're supposed to give thanks in all circumstances, but we are to give thanks for all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Church, will you trust Him? Will you put it in His hands? Will you say, God, I've done everything I can. I've tried everything I can try and nothing works. It's up to you. And I will in peace trust you to see me through this situation until in your perfect timing you choose to reveal the reason why. I trust you, God. And in the meantime, I'm going to thank you. Lord Jesus, in a group this size, without a doubt, there are some going through some tough, tough times. I'm not sure, Lord, how many are here and they're going through some financial difficulties. I don't know how many are here are going through health issues, how many here are going through marriage troubles or difficulties with their kids or grandkids or with their parents. Lord, I don't know, but You know. You are sovereign. You know all things. You are all-knowing God. And so, Lord, I pray that none of us would leave this place today without trusting that You are in charge. Trusting that You see our situation. It has not escaped You. And as we praise You and thank You in the midst of our circumstances, as we trust You, as we lean on You, as we pray to You in the midst of our circumstances, Lord, You will work all things together for good. If we will but love You and trust You and walk in obedience to Your Word and humbly place our needs before You, and allowing You to meet those needs in Your perfect timing. 
In Jesus' name, amen.